You're listening to episode 3 of the Great Underreaction podcast, a satirical sports podcast by Callum White and Andrew Seaton. On this week's episode, we combat the Colin Kaepernick controversy, Phil Neville's WhatsApp groups, the greatest college player's name ever, we have Trope of the Week, and we have Predictions for the Future. Let's go. Okay. Wake up in the morning and I go and get the paper Gotta get the paper Every morning gotta go and get the paper And a nice cup of coffee Or the one with two espresso shots and it call red eye Ain't no teller how many Okay, welcome to episode three of the Great Underreaction podcast My name is Callum White and I'm joined as ever by Andrew Ernesto Seaton Andrew, how are you? I'm well, I'm well I'm going to assume you are well as well. I am well as well. So, Callum. Yes. Last week, Phil Neville was in the news, manager of the England ladies team. And he said that the first month he had his job, he messaged players once or twice a week. But now (laughs) I speak to them every single day with every single player. I text them individually we have 30 WhatsApp groups, one for every player. <laughs> it's the only way I can be in constant contact. It means that every single minute of the day, I know what players are doing. I know every part of their lives. I know about their animals. If they've got a dog, I know its name. My players love their dogs. I know about their partners. I know if they go to the cinema. It's the detail you need to be successful. If they have an ice cream, I know about it. <laughs> Callum, we WhatsApp each other every day. Tell me, what did I have for breakfast this morning? <laughs> I can tell you that it wasn't bran flakes. Oh, it wasn't bran flakes. Um, you had, um, you had no breakfast because you were running late. <laughs> I definitely had breakfast. I'm curious, why did you say no bran flakes? Because uh, for many years you ate bran flakes and when we lived together in the same house you ate bran flakes and said that they were a really wholesome meal (laughs) and didn't apparently realise that they don't taste of anything at all. But I now know that you have come to your senses on that. I have have come to my senses actually. It's a revolutionary new meal that I have now. It's not bran flakes anymore. Fruit and fibre? No. It's (sighs) Tesco value muesli. Oh, nice. But because um, I like to indulge myself, I just get a little handful of uh, granola and I sprinkle it on top. (laughs) Yeah, to make your shit better. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What what Phil Neville needs is Man City's new product, which lives on your skin. (laughs) Lives on his player's skin. If oh that's God. like he is, he would be the first one to sign up to be uh, like what constant <laughs> monitoring of every single element of their lives. I know, I can't believe any harm. Let's do that straight away. He thinks knowing their dog's name is uh, essential to success. You yeah. imagine it like every five minutes, you just get a message from Phil Neville saying, like, What are you up to? <laughs> every five minutes, like all day long. I'm on, I'm on the share, Phil. Please leave me alone. It's Phil Neville <laughs> just sitting on his phone, <laughs> yeah. just like going through all the England players and being like, W U U 2. 
And they're like, still walking my dog. <laughs> oh, your dog's name is Clyde. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> I'm actually still doing the same shit that I told you about five minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, probably text back advice like, like, don't clench too soon. <laughs> <laughs> Efficiency with, uh, with toilet paper is the secret to success. Everything is a secret to success if you're Phil Neville. Can you imagine? I said, like, what are you up to? I'm at a wake. <laughs> Stop texting me, Phil. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't eat the cocktail sausages. They've got lots of salt. Wow. <laughs> uh, I think 30 WhatsApp group he's got set up. 30 separate WhatsApp groups. Yeah. So how many people do you think are in the England women's football team squad I actually have no idea less than 30 25 <laughs> so, so he must have just created yeah. various combinations of them yeah. some of them overlapping and some of them not yeah, overlapping. Like, like defenders midfielders yeah. <laughs> forwards yeah. <laughs> wide forwards <laughs> wide forwards <laughs> fullbacks <laughs> Wingers, which is fullbacks and for like right wing. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's uh, yeah. that's clearly he went to the Louisa School of Player Management. <laughs> Just thinks of something and immediately creates a WhatsApp group for it. I, I know. I can't. I can't keep up. Can't keep. Well, I'm not. I'm not one of these people. You know, people create WhatsApp groups for one night out. <laughs> have you been invited to these it's like it's friday of course night. i've not so been invited to the <laughs> random friday night and they're like just no one wants me to go on a shitty night out with them if <laughs> <laughs> i've been invited my head in and then uh, yeah then they rear their head like six months later everyone makes the same joke like oh my god is this group still a thing and then everyone goes ha 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 yeah it's still a thing ha 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 and then it's silence for another six months until someone makes the same joke <laughs> Not that I don't yeah. like, I like WhatsApp normally because it lets me keep in touch with you, Callum. Yeah, it's, otherwise we wouldn't still be friends, right? I was thinking this. Like, imagine Phil Neville actually knew everything about you. And I was thinking about in the yeah. olden times when, uh, you know, people thought God watched everything you did and judged you for it. And People I still thought, think that. People still think that, but you know, no one I know. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I just thought that sounds fucking awful and oppressive, but now I realise it could have been much worse. It could have been fucking Phil Neville. <laughs> <laughs> Phil Neville is actually God. I'd rather I'd rather have this like guy who might send me the fires of hell than Phil Neville's thoughts. It would like be a direct like line to Phil Neville in my pocket. Such a double-edged sword for every religious person to both have their beliefs confirmed and then also have their beliefs confirmed in the form of Phil Neville. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, it's me, I'm good. <laughs> so uh, we've not recorded for a little while because um, yep. busy lives and also, you know, got to keep them hungry. Mm -hmm. um, have you had any good response from our, our last episode? Uh I can't remember. Mostly, I just want to take an opportunity to give a shout out to Alan in the hope that he still listens. <laughs> yeah, Alan. Yeah, I've not <laughs> spoken to him, actually. I no. tagged him in my Facebook post and I got like nothing back. So, yeah. Oh, fuck you then, Alan. <laughs> no. <laughs> He's also probably a busy guy. <laughs> I, un I unfuck Alan. You're unfucked. 
<laughs> I turned on him so fast. <laughs> okay, so uh, we made some predictions a long time ago now on the last episode. Um, and let's see how accurate we were. So I'm going to take us back in time. There'll be like a sign drop here, which will go... And then it'll play what you said. So let's do that. If Ronaldo does not score next week, it'll be articles about Cristiano Ronaldo. Why can't he score? Uh, so that was your prediction, Andrew. Mm-hmm. Ronaldo didn't score. He did. So he, he still hasn't scored. So have you found any histrionic um, reporting about that? I think this this one goes down as a prediction unfulfilled. I really? Think. Yeah, well, because what, what I had in mind was, I don't think it was a very good prediction, but what I had in mind was someone taking a tiny amount of evidence, which is Cristiano Ronaldo not scoring for two games and then blowing uh-huh. it way out of proportion. What I did see were some articles saying, you know, the Italian league is harder and he's going to find it harder. But Which is not true. I had to be generous with those articles because I actually found a bunch of them before there was even a ball kick to the season. So I can't really say they're what I was really aiming at. But mm. I did see one ridiculous article, which was Cristiano Ronaldo's goal drought is so bad his nine-year-old son is outscoring him, <laughs> which is complete. His nine-year-old nine son scored like four goals for the Juventus youth team. Uh, so apparently that is relevant. But, uh, I, I'm happy <laughs> I to say this one is, is not. There was no articles about Cristiano Ronaldo being on the wane, like his skills actually diminishing with age. Well, I mean, the, the article that says that his goal drive is so bad he's being outscored by his own son is pretty bad. Yeah. Um, also, there was an interesting fact that I heard on the uh, the Guardian football podcast, where they said Ronaldo's not scored for three games and he's had twenty four shots on target. No, he's had twenty four shots in that time, which is mm-hmm. the the worst in Europe and signs for concern. It's so bad that it is exactly the same as his first three games of the last campaign. <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent. Well done. <laughs> Good job, those guys. They did a good um, job with that. So we'll take that as a as a partial win for you, will we? Yeah, I mean, if you put it like that, there's I have seen loads of them saying like Cristiano Ronaldo with the most unwanted stat across Europe. Yeah, you know? yeah, I've seen so, that as well. So that is being blown out of proportion. Yeah, I'll take and a half. Also, point. the fact that he's not scored in only three games and everyone's saying it's that we should write articles about it is kind when of when he's moved to a new team, you know, and a new country and a new league. Yeah. I know. Anyway. Okay. So okay. what your prediction was? So I think that we're about time for a rift of is test cricket dead articles. Okay, yeah, so my prediction was that Test Cricket was dead. Now, I made, I made that prediction just before the, the next Test match, which has since happened, and mm-hmm. it was an absolute perler of a Test match. Mm-hmm. It was really, really, really enjoyable mm-hmm. and, like, upped and dined and did everything that you would want. Like, anyone who would ever like Test Cricket would all love that match. 
so I've not not really had a victory. There was a, an article which uh, which you pointed out to me from Martin Samuel in GQ magazine, who wrote about why Test cricket is in trouble mm-hmm. because it's it takes too long and it's um, becoming a bit antiquated. And there was an article in the Guardian by Andy Bull about why more needs to be done to promote test cricket because its popularity is on the wane, but the product's still badass. Yeah. But I think it's a partial win for me because I was kind of predicting that England would all get bowled out for like 18 runs, which to be fair, quite quite nearly happened. It did. Uh, but they didn't, and it was an absolute parallel of a match. Okay. Um, so we were kind of shit at predicting the future. We'll have to try, have to try harder for this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, should we go to our great underreaction of the week? Yes, sounds good. Okay, so this week's great underreaction. Now, I partly wanted to just, in general, greatly underreact to the entire international break, um, but we're gonna great underreact to something else instead, aren't we, Andre? Yeah, we're gonna great underreact to that was a good idea, but I think that the news cycle has moved on. We live in a fast-paced world now, Callum. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the news cycle has moved on, and I think we have to talk about the NFL, yeah. the players who are kneeling, and the Nike advert with Colin. Is it Kaepernick? Is that how you pronounce his name? Yep, Colin Kaepernick. Ka- Kaepernick. Yeah. So you know a lot more than me about the NFL, and probably have been following this in detail for yeah a couple of years. So why don't you just run through what's happened so far? Yep, okay, so uh, Colin Kaepernick was a a quarterback in the NFL for the San Francisco 49ers. He was very good. Um, He he took them very deep in the playoffs into the Super Bowl, and they they lost in the Super Bowl, and then he just sort of got shit. Um, And so he was was not a very, very good quarterback, but was still probably one of the best. 32 there are 32 um teams in the national football league so he was, he probably should have had a job um a couple of years ago in his final year with the San Francisco 49ers he um initially sat down for the national anthem now if you've never seen an american football game or any american sports then the first time that you see it it's a bonkers thing to witness uh, as a non-american person because they get a flag that's the size of the pitch. They get the American flag. They all stand up, and it's American football, so there's like 180 of them, and put their hands to their chest, and someone sings the national anthem, and they very frequently fire uh, fireworks and get fighter jets to fly over the top of the, the stadium, and everyone goes, God bless America. And Colin Kaepernick stayed sitting down for the national anthem and he didn't get up. And no one noticed for a couple of weeks. And then he just stayed sitting down until someone was like, wait, 
Colin Kaepernick's just having a wee seat for the national anthem. And he said, why are you doing this? And he said, I don't think I can stand whilst the racial injustice and persecution in this country continues. And everyone was like, whoa, what the fuck? You hate our troops. You hate America. And went absolutely nuts. And then uh, there was a, a former... A military veteran who had played in the league for a, a short period of time, and he'd said he needs he doesn't need to sit down for the national anthem. That's disrespectful. He should take a knee instead. So he started taking a knee. A couple other players took a knee, but it wasn't a big widespread thing. And that was two years ago. And then last year, um, Donald Trump, the fucking bell end that he is, said. He called them all sons of bitches and said they should all be fired. Well, he called them sons of bitches? Really? Yeah. He said that son of a bitch should get chucked out. Any son of a bitch who doesn't stand for the national anthem. Yeah, when he was president, he called anyone who kneels for the national anthem a son of a bitch. I didn't know that bit, actually. Fuck. And so the next week, like, some whole teams knelt. Some whole teams, like, locked arms, like, the Trump's mm. buffoonery really galvanized the locker room, so there were a lot of people who were conflicted. Mm. Suddenly, it was uh, like with them or against them, and they were all against them. Yeah. And the NFL locker rooms are, are 85, 90% black athletes. Um, and so Colin Kaepernick has not had a job. And he's got a, a an ongoing legal case against the National Football League um, because he's saying that the the owners and the the general managers are, are colluding to to make sure that he doesn't have a job because they want to to minimise the impact of his protests. Um, mm-hmm. And then, so he's been unemployed in the league for for two years, and Nike or Nike. I think it's Nike because it's the Greek god, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is. Um, have had him on the books quietly since t- 2013 and have made him the the face of their new advertising campaign. And so this is the, the story that we have now today. Right. And uh, so he, he's, just to be clear, he's been refused a job because he's seen as like a troublemaker, right? <laughs> No yeah, he's not like an elite player. So you could say that he, he was a, a borderline player, which is where it gets slightly complicated. Um, but he's definitely... If he if he weren't doing this, like if he, if he weren't making these protests, he would have a job. That right. seems pretty clear. And he might not be a guaranteed starter, but he'd probably be maybe second string or something at, at the minimum. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Right. But probably would be starting for an NFL team. Yeah, probably. Right, because he's a quarterback who's taken a team to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Right. Okay, and and so so what I've seen is, so I've seen the advert from Nike, and I should say that I don't think this does anything to make me think that Nike are somehow a great company, right? Because <laughs> they definitely have seen an opportunity here to basically get a shitload of free advertising, right? 
I think so. The advert that they ran was on the front page of every major newspaper in the world, basically. They've just, they're getting so much advert. I mean, I don't deny that they do actually support him and what he's trying to do, but it's just that that also is getting muddied a bit with the fact that they probably have seen the business sense in doing this as well. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so, so the reaction to it, I thought was hilarious, which was people burning their very expensive Nike products, like yeah. burning their trainers. <laughs> you, you see the guy who, uh, or I think it was a guy, it might have been a girl, who cut the top of his socks off. Yeah, it was some, there's like some country singer uh, posted it from his Twitter account, and it was his signed man, and he chopped the top of his nike socks off so that the tick swooshies weren't there anymore right so so can we can we try which is which is hilarious because nike still have the money that he paid for that and all he has are shitter socks (laughs) like if you're not gonna wear the socks anymore because you don't believe in the brand, chuck them in the bin. I know. Don't just defile your socks, which are still Nike products that you give them money this for. This whole posturing thing, right? Before before Twitter existed, no one would have burnt any Nike stuff. But because they could put a, or on Facebook, they could put a video or a photograph of them doing it and they get a shitload of likes from their equally uh, backwater, we'll call them, friends. Uh, yeah. It's a ridiculous reaction. But I, 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 I was trying to understand, try and get my head around that people who are annoyed by Colin Kaepernick, and I really can't get my head around it. Like I feel like I can, I can kind of understand, I can get into the mind of a Trump voter just about a Brexit voter. Definitely can understand, even if I don't agree. Indie ref, I can get. I just can't get anywhere near understanding why you would be so angry and so against this guy kneeling to protest racial injustice so could you try and explain it to me Cal? it's very simple he's disrespecting the troops okay it's the troops andy this makes i mean i, I know uh, this i'm gonna do the thing where i uh i try and respond to irrationality with a rational argument but i'm just gonna do it anyway <laughs> <laughs> um so He's not protesting the troops or the flag or the country. <laughs> He's protesting racial injustice, which I think just can't deny that exists. So I just don't understand how anyone can hold that line because all Colin Kaepernick needs to say is, no, I, I don't, I, I admire the troops. I'm not disrespecting them. I, th- but- I think the most bonkers thing for me, because like, Especially last year, like I got so fired up about this because I just got more and more angry. The the thing that pisses me off more than anything is people go, it's disrespecting the troops. Mm. It's disrespecting the flag, disrespects mm-hmm. the troops. Like, the troops aren't black too. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like, the army in America, same as in this country, doesn't actively target and recruit from the most deprived and underprivileged areas of society who feel like they have no other choice like black people are significantly overrepresented in the u.s army Mm. and you're saying it disrespects the troops it's not disrespecting the troops it's trying to stand up for a large number of those troops 
I, I saw this thing on on Facebook that it, it was like a meme that was going around, and it said uh, Rosa Parks was not protesting the bus, which I think is pretty fucking obvious. Gandhi yeah. was not protesting the food, also pretty fucking obvious. And then Kaepernick was not protesting the flag. And I mean, it's yeah. just so obvious. Anyway, I, I think it it's a it's a window into a side of America that. To me, seems completely bonkers, and I can't believe how split this is. But yeah, and so, it. like, I think one of the things that I'm greatly underreacting to is that this is going to harm Nike's brand mm. in any meaningful it's way. It's not. It's not going to underreact. Yeah, it's not going to do that at all, man. It's, it's <laughs> fucking no way. This is done. <laughs> so, this so is I done. was looking at a thread, and she she's on Twitter. There was like one of these things, which was like the Kaepernick. Someone had said, you know. I'd support Colin Kaepernick, blah, blah, blah. And underneath, there was a whole bunch of these, like, fat white Americans who said, never bought Nike, and now I never will. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. So you've never bought Nike. So you're probably not their demographic, but you're not going to do it now. All, all they've done is put this guy's face on an advert. Yeah. You know, it's unbelievable, the reaction. I, I don't get, and this the whole there are a whole world of counter memes, right? And there's this other campaign. Have you heard of this? It's called "Stand Up to Kneeling." <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, it makes my brain hurt a little bit to just say the phrase "Stand Up to Kneeling." It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's like uh, it's basically yeah. We need to like have a counter protest in which we stand up, which we were doing anyway. Oh, I mean, in all seriousness, this is like black players comprise the majority of the NFL. The NFL, and when the anthem protest started, the like this very racist middle white America said, "You know, I'm never watching the NFL ever again after this. Your mm-hmm. ratings are going to go down. You're going to die. You're going to dive." Mm-hmm. And the NFL's ratings have gone down. Mm-hmm. But they've every major sport has gone down. Is that so? just the way that we consume and our patterns of behavior? The number, the amount of sport that we're watching has gone down. But the mm-hmm. Hall of Fame game, which is like, um, so there are four preseason games for the NFL, and before all of them, there's a Hall of Fame game, and everyone who plays in that game is not a star. It would be the equivalent of watching the like Arsenal and Preston under 17s teams play. Right. And that got more viewers than the final of the World Series in America. So the NFL as a brand is still not exactly being tarnished. People are still tuning right. in and watching it. And so my great underreaction is that anyone anyone who says that any of this has any like demonstrable effect in moving the needle in terms of people watching things or in terms of the patterns of behavior buying things. There are a small number of outraged people at either end of the spectrum, and 94% of people or more exist in the middle echelon of that and just don't really give a shit, and their behavior doesn't change either way. Yeah. I totally agree with you. Yeah, yeah. So that's good. Uh, We're on the same page on this. Who would have thought it? 
Well, yeah. Was <laughs> it again to racism? One thing I thought this was the best thing I saw actually in response to the uh, the the sock destroyers and the shoe burners. No, there was I mean, this guy who was like, stupid. it was this t- <laughs> this tweet uh, with a video, and uh, it was like destroying my Nike pillowcase. Um, yeah. someone had drawn with like a permanent marker like a nike tick and wrote nike on there in two places on their pillowcase and then the first 60 seconds of the video is just like some scissors angrily cutting these logos out and you think it's just another stupid uh stupid uh angry racist american uh, and you might think to yourself i didn't know nike made pillowcases which is what i thought to myself because i'm a complete <laughs> idiot <laughs> and then at the end of the video uh, the person like puts the pillowcase over their head and they cut out two eye sockets and it's a ku klux klan uh, uniform. Yeah. <laughs> what's so funny about that was the top comments were all people who hadn't watched to the end and then they were upvoted by people who had watched to the end, right? They were liked and retweeted by people who had watched to the end. So they, they were rose to the top, all the top comments. And it was like, I can't believe you endorsed this sort of tweet. I feel like I don't know you anymore. And then the person had to like reply, <laughs> like, no, what's to the end? What's to the end? <laughs> that That's like a really good statement on modern society. <laughs> it's like, have you seen this story? Yeah, I have seen the story. Have you read the story? No. <laughs> no. I watched the first eight seconds of that video whilst I was doing a shit, but I didn't watch all of it. No, and I thought I had it, so I thought I could uh, outragedly, is that a word? Outragedly? Yeah, yeah definitely. definitely a word. Outragedly comment without having to watch the whole thing. It was just so funny. It was basically the top five comments were people angry, and then the, the replies to those comments, people saying, watch to the end. <laughs> anyway. right, yeah, so- the NFL season... Uh, it's, I mean, it's obviously de- deliberate timing from from Nike because the NFL season kicks off in four hours. Really? Um, and yeah, and you're going to be a big NFL fan this year. I am. You? I am. And a big part of that, what I've really been enjoying this summer, this is a professional segue, Callum, but you're ready. It's less professional. Oh, I was thinking I in my head that I was impressed by your professional segue. <laughs> then I really and then you were like... I'm going to unprofessionalize it by pointing at <laughs> Anyway, so this summer, to get hyped up for my first season being a proper NFL fan, I've watched Super Bowls in the past, and I've watched yep. the playoff games before you get to the Super Bowl in the past, but I've never watched, yep. followed the whole season. Uh, but uh, I've really enjoyed this summer watching my first ever series of Hard Knocks, which is uh, the second great underreaction I think we've got. Uh, this yeah. week. and hard I'm knocks gonna, is going to pause uh-huh. because I want to just do the uh, the incredible hard knocks intro music. Hang on. Okay. So Hard Knocks, uh, it's an HBO documentary. Every season in the off-season, they pick a team to follow uh, through um, the off-season. And 
it's like they put cameras through everywhere, through the meeting rooms, in the office of the general manager and the head coach and the offensive coach. They put cameras everywhere and they follow trainings and they follow their preseason games and they interview players and they talk to their families. And it's like this whole yep. documentary on like the story of this NFL team getting ready for the new season. Yeah. And every but like season. contemporary, like it's released a week after events exactly so right. it's it's released yeah. the week they do some quick edits right and they yeah. um, they get something out the week after it's happened and every season it's a different team they follow and this season it's the uh, cleveland browns who were the shittest team in the league last season one of the shittest teams of all time they were 0-16 they didn't win a game and in the NFL, we've spoken a little bit in the past, but it's a league which is designed to create parity and is usually quite successful in doing that. So mm-hmm. there's only ever been one other team that's never won a game in a season, and they were the, the second ones to do oh, it. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Well, yeah, it's really, really uncommon. So they, are to, truly, to they were truly shit, right? So they, they won one game in 2016, and then didn't win any in 2017. Right. So in the last two years, they are one in 31. Right. That is, which is which is the worst record ever right. in the history of the NFL. But it does mean that they've had the best draft picks for the last two off seasons, last two yes. drafts. Right. So yep. the story is, I guess, kind of like changes are coming to the Cleveland Browns. They were 0 16 team last season, but. Um, this season holds a lot of promise, right? That's the kind yeah. of the tale of the of this, right? So, so what I don't understand is if you are an zero and sixteen team, and even worse than that, you're a one in, in thirty two team, right? You're the worst team in history of the NFL. Why on earth would you let a documentary crew into <laughs> your organization? <laughs> yeah. They, they don't. I don't think they have a choice. The NFL gets to choose. Is that what happens? Yeah, the NFL's really like Cubs don't have that much autonomy. The NFL's got a really um, iron fist, and they could embed them. So, really? like, if you don't, if you don't have a certain set of criteria, then they can give you hard knocks. What is- it's like if you haven't if you've if you've made the playoffs last year if you changed your coach um or if you've been on it in the last five years then you can't be on hard knocks but otherwise they can choose right so there's always like seven teams that they can choose from so it's always like an underdog story that's not new to this season yeah it's usually an underdog story right yeah it's not usually with the um really successful teams so ha- have they ever has a team that's been featured on Hard Knocks ever gone on to have like a really successful, notable season? Um, the New York Jets, uh, five or six years ago, were were quite frisky. They were quite good, right? But mostly the last last year they were shy. The Bucks were on last year; they were really shy. The Texans were on the year before; they were shy, right? Um. Okay. Yeah, most mostly they've been shy. The Dolphins were on the year before that; they were shy. Okay, so <laughs> it so it's not looking good for Cleveland Browns then. 
So not great, right? Okay, so but at least that answers my question. Like that was a really genuine worry of my. I just couldn't understand why on earth you would let a team of cameras in when you are trying to like save a sinking ship. But the, uh, yeah, they're also trying to generate hope. Yeah. I think, which is kind of cruel. If uh, the history of hard knocks is anything to go by, there's not much hope. Yeah. Right. I think what it is really interesting for is that it shows you because you athletes you sort of see them perform but you don't see their their lives mm. and so hard knocks you'll see them like going home and and looking after their kids or like uh one guy's wife made cookies for the team and everyone like fucking loves that guy because they love those cookies right or my favorite was uh this one of the stars of this series was a guy called Devin Caduce. Oh yeah. And Devin Caduce was a very spiritual young man. <laughs> and he he was like really into the, the power of stones. <laughs> and so they were he was standing next to next to a bookcase that was like had a whole bunch of stones and he was like, Yeah, this is this one and this is that's really good for like channeling your thoughts and there's this one and that'll make you sleepy and like oh well i need to put that down i'm gonna fall asleep <laughs> yeah because i like crystals <laughs> he's like holding his yeah, it's crystals especially with football i'm always dang i messed up this play or what are people going to think about this or what am i going to do to fix that i stress a lot about my job i kind of lose sense of like the simplicity of life itself crystals and stones give that back to me quite often Suzalite, it gives you this protective shield. Tiger's eye for balance. Red Jasper gives the sense of courage. Kyanite is known to relax and it gives you this sense of peace. It was one of the first stones I gave to my dad. Kyanite, I feel like the world would need. Zincite is a really strong stone to enhance manifestation of thought. Already I can feel like my head is getting super light holding on to it. <laughs> Before the game. Before the third game, the camera pans and there's like a really large moon in the sky and then it pans back down to Caduce and he's looking up at the moon and he goes, yeah, that's a really big moon. I can get good energy from that. <laughs> like, I really don't want a guy on my team who like I live and breathe for to be contingent on having a big moon to draw energy from. Caduce, we need you to start the next game. Oh no, man! It's uh, we're on the wane. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a waxing gibbous. I can't do anything. <laughs> I love that guy, though. I I had a real soft spot for him, and because yeah. he was so like, you could tell he was just a genuinely nice person. And yeah. one of the things about this show is that they they follow they don't follow the stars too much, right? They follow rookies and they follow like journeymen. Like mm. people who are fighting for their roster spot, right? They've been maybe in the NFL for a few seasons, but they've never been a sure starter anywhere, and they're at risk of getting cut and having to maybe miss a season or find another team right at the last minute. And so Caduce is one of these guys, right? But but the way they set up the whole series is like they show you so many like these moments of Caduce. I know he's a bit of an idiot with the crystals, but also he's like his dad who had a heart attack, and he's like he performs really well when his dad's there and they do this little whistling thing. His dad whistles in a really uh, unique way. So he knows where he is in the stadium. And I just totally invested in Caduced. 
like massively invested because the whole narrative of the show is set up so that you invest in this guy. <laughs> and then yeah. last night was uh, I watched the the last episode. And Kajus gets fucking cut. He's gone. He's not good enough. <laughs> and I was so frustrated. Actually, it was a brutal episode because every every journeyman player you follow got, <laughs> got cut. Everyone got a cut. It was brutal. <laughs> Oh, just got cut. <laughs> so, because, because, like you said, it's week by week. They, they yeah. pick early on the guys they're going to follow. Um, yeah. But I, I kind of thought that you know, American TV, they wouldn't make me follow this guy if he didn't have like an uplifting tale. Right? Exactly. But then it all came crashing down, and it reminded me of a time we were, me and you were watching. Uh, we were watching like David Attenborough, and it was like. It was set in the Arctic, a David Attenborough documentary, and it was about these penguins. I don't know if you remember <laughs> this, but I remember really clearly. We like there was this baby penguin, and it was all about like what the parents do to keep the penguin alive, and it was a really heartwarming tale. But then, the, basically, the mum and the the baby get separated, and there's like a million penguins, and they can't find each other, and, <laughs> and like, I like trampling basically. <laughs> What happens is you said to me, you said, if that penguin dies, I'm not watching anymore. <laughs> and then 10 seconds later, there's just this silent scene with the snow blowing over the dead corpse of this baby penguin. <laughs> and you got up and walked away. <laughs> I can't remember that. It doesn't sound like what well, I was like, oh, well, fair enough. But it was like the show made you invest in that baby penguin, and then they fucking knew it was going to die. But they made you invest in it. And it's always a danger to watch uh, wildlife-based programs. <laughs> when we were uh, visiting my parents, when Sarah met my mum and dad for the first time, for some reason we were sitting down after dinner, and we had this like, there's a big nature park thing near to Aviemore in Scotland, Rothy Marcus. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> they've got by per chance, and they've got they've got polar bears, and it was the oh, yeah. it was like this BBC life. program about uh, Scotland's polar bears, and <laughs> you're like that's that's safe ground for me to watch with my my girlfriend and my parents, and then we just watched for like two minutes as these polar bears humped. <laughs> <laughs> And it was like, oh yeah, he doesn't really know what he's doing, and so we just watched as this lady polar bear was backing into oh, man. the gentleman polar bear. That's so funny you say that because I I saw those polar bears like five days ago. Oh, did you? Yeah, we, well, we I've seen them there. humping. We, <laughs> they weren't humping when we were there. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're very excited about that. It was a shame about Caduce. He didn't make yeah, uh, no. didn't make the roster, and they all they all got cut. Well, actually, uh, I really ha- I'm going to follow Devin Caduced for the rest of my life. Crystal's. Dead. I looked him up last night, late at night, oh, yeah. and uh, he is currently unemployed. Oh, so. Devin Caduced, man! I, they were really mean to him Caduce. in the uh, in the uh, in the last episode, right? The last preseason game, in which he had a good game, right? Uh, kind of. No. No. Oh well, they made it look like he had an okay game, anyway. Yeah. Um, he did some good things, but he was also like, responsible for a lot of oh, bad things. Oh, yeah, he things. had like four penalties against him, right? Yeah. Anyway, there's a scene when he's walking down the tunnel with, uh, I think it's with the offensive coordinator and Baker Mayfield. <laughs> and Baker Mayfield <laughs> says, like, you know, just 
Think like, block me like you're protecting your rocks. <laughs> Treat the ball like one of your rocks. Shit. Yeah. That's a great point. Pretend they're trying to take a crystal away. Yo, if you threw why that bitch, we, why haven't we told you that a long time ago? Yeah. That's a great question. Block like you're blocking for one of your rocks. And then it's like, treat your ball like you treat your rocks. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then the Ernest, like, yeah. pray to your rock god. <laughs> oh, yeah. And the Kevin, Devin Caduce is such like, a lovely person. He's so, like, earnest and warm and positive. Oh, but he doesn't realize that they're, like, taking a piss. And he's like, oh, wow, I never thought of that. I definitely would do it. <laughs> yeah, it's like a big, he's like a six foot eight. <laughs> Long-haired, gigantic, muscly spaniel. I know. He's just got like a waggly tail. It's so funny. And uh, yeah, that bit when uh, it's like a and you play and the the offensive coordinator goes, "Kajus, you're up. Pray to the rock gods. Let's go." <laughs> <laughs> so brutal. Anyway, all right. So that's a that's a, a long segment on the NFL. Good. That was the National Football League. Yeah. Um, have there been any other stories that have caught your eye this week? Um, one for me, but uh, I think you have a couple that... Uh, my one's I've got two. Right. Yeah, yeah, okay. So um, my story, my first story is from Megan Moriarty on SB Nation. And the headline is this. Hello. A quarterback recruit is named General Booty. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, please be aware of perhaps the greatest in quarterback history, General Booty. He's a quarterback recruit from the class of 2021 from San Antonio, Texas. But General Booty's family runs deep with quarterbacking. His uh, dad was called Abram Booty. <laughs> and his granddad was called Johnny Booty and was one of the highest recruited quarterbacks in America. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Booty had a, a son, and they said, Do you know what we'll call him? <laughs> Let's call him General. <laughs> so he's class of 2021, so he's just started college. He's just started college, right. yeah. He's like a, he's like a first year undergraduate. Booty. Oh, my goodness. General Booty. He has to get, he has to make it to the NFL. Just on basis Can of you imagine. Name. General Booty. <laughs> God bless you, Booty's parents. I'm reading the article now. <laughs> he's, uh, he's got a younger brother called Specific. No, he doesn't. <laughs> no, he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> like, is it Specific Booty? or No, it's just General I, I, I Booty. Thought you were gonna, just like... I thought you were going to say like Lance Corporal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Colonel Booty, <laughs> Captain Booty, Major Booty. Oh, Major Booty, he went there. Yeah. General Booty and Major Booty would be really good. That's <laughs> uh, one of the worst named athletes I've ever heard of. The Packers this year, because uh, oh, do they I have? Mean, wait, let week. me try and remember it. Is that he got a guy who's called? He's called like he's not called like. <laughs> Fuck! I want to say like Euphonium, but it's not called Euphonium. Yeah, <laughs> what's it called? called? Equinemius. Equinemius. Yeah. We've got a guy called Equinemius St. Brian, uh, and he's a wide receiver. And there's another wide receiver who's called Geronimo. 
Geronimo Allison, who's a is a good player. You can, he's gonna get I kind of wonder if that's like nominative determinism, because he can like run really quickly and do things. And if you can you imagine having a, a child and calling them Geronimo, and then them just being kind of slovenly <laughs> and not bothering to do anything. <laughs> Yeah, that would definitely be a disappointment. But is come like... on, Geronimo, you lazy fat fuck! <laughs> is Geronimo is he like of Indian descent, American Indian descent, Native American? No, that's Indian, what's slightly American. weird. Yeah. yeah, no, he's just he's just a black guy. All right. He got asked that in an interview, and he was like, "No, my mom just liked the word Geronimo." <laughs> <laughs> I like that actually. That's better than being named after like a an old. Uh, Native American chieftain. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So I I like General Booty. I've been thinking about General Booty quite a lot. What have what have you liked from the news? Um I did not like this coverage at all. And this coverage was about Nick Kyrgios. Did you see anything about him? Oh, is this the umpire coaching him thing? It is the umpire coaching him. So in his match against, it was like his second or third round match in the US Open, Nick Kyrgios, who's like, I think he's the number one player for uh, men's tennis player for Australia. Yeah. Um, he was having a shit game, right? And he's got previous on basically giving up in matches. Yeah. He's had some matches where he just deliberately gives up because he's losing. And it's part of the rules of the game that you can, that that's actually against the rules basically, <laughs> which is kind of an interesting rule in, in and of itself. Like you, you're, it's kind of subjective, right? You're, you, if you give up in a way that is clever, no one would ever know that you're giving up. Right. But Nick Kyrgios doesn't give up in a way. It's obvious what he's doing when he just gives up, right? He just starts spanking yeah. the ball. And some of them times they go in, but mostly they don't. Anyway, he was, he was like, maybe on the verge of starting to do this. And an umpire got down from his chair and he had a, maybe a 90-second chat with Nick Kyrgios. And then after this chat, Nick Kyrgios turns his game around and he goes on to win. And the big <laughs> hoo-ha is that he was getting coached by the umpire. And you can't hear anything in the clip except right at the end, you can hear the umpire say, I want to help you. I want to help you. And that's basically all you can hear. So you don't really know what he said for most of it, but it's just unfortunate that what you hear at the end is, I want to help you. Um, and the internet went wild, right? There was yeah. players, old players, current players, journalists all going like, this umpire needs to be fired. He has coached a player. The player went back to win the match. And it's a completely ridiculous situation. And I am totally on the side of the umpire. I'm 100% on the side of the umpire. And there's two reasons for it. One of them is Nick Kyrgios was maybe on the verge of doing what he's done in the past and breaking the rules and giving up. The umpire got down from his chair and basically said to him, if I think you're going to start giving up, you know, you're going to be, there are going to be more sanctions against you because he's had sanctions on him in the past, fines and stuff. They're giving yeah. more and I don't want to do it. And then... I, and then I'm trying to help you. I'm warning you now, don't start doing that. This is not coaching, right? It's like a teacher with a naughty school kid and they know that the kid is about to go nuclear and yeah. they're like, 
I don't want to give you detention, mm. but you're starting to behave like a cunt again. Yeah. So basically, yeah. this um, this umpire behaved like a kind of like a, a human being, right? And he yeah. tried to help Nick Kyrgios um, uh, stick to the rules, which is what the umpire is there for, right? The umpire yeah. is there to make sure the players stick to the rules. One of the rules is you can't give up. Uh, so that really annoyed me. The other thing is that if Nick Kyrgios had then gone on to lose the match, we would not have heard a single fucking thing about this. Yeah, we would not have heard a single thing. And I can't. Believe- yeah, I can't imagine that it would be like front page headline: umpire unsuccessfully attempts to coach <laughs> professional tennis player. Exactly right. We wouldn't have heard anything about this. It would have been a complete non-event. The fact that Nick Kyrgios, by himself, by the way, he turned it around, right? He did turn it around. And if it was the umpire warning him not to break the rules that was the catalyst to the turnaround, so be it. But I just couldn't believe the amount of vitriol for this uh, this uh, umpire, who's I think his name was like La Lahani, Layani. Anyway, Lahani. La I'll find it. Um, uh, Mohammed Lahani, Layani. Anyway, Whoa. they released a statement. Uh, and uh, it's all good. He's not going to be this. He's just going to keep being an umpire. And thankfully, the organizers of the US Open saw sense. But I don't know. What do you think yeah. about Nick Kyrgios? In the, in the but- story, Kyrgios has said uh, he was just concerned about how I was playing. He was like, Nick, are you okay? I was like, yeah, everything is fine. I just wasn't feeling great. Uh, sounds like pretty bad coaching to me. I know. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Imagine if you could actually be a coach and when your player was playing shit, you just went up and you were like, is everything okay? And they were like, yeah, it's all right. Yeah. And then they just went and spanked the other opponent. <laughs> <laughs> Great <laughs> coaching. So easy. That was all that, that. all it requires. I thought the, right? the, the, uh, the coverage of Nick Kyrgios in general frustrates me. Yeah, I mean, he, he is a bit of a knob, but it, it does it does sometimes appear to be like a little bit racist sometimes. It's a little bit racist and a little bit classist as well. You know, similar to what we yeah. about the Ben Stokes thing, like it's just not cricket. Like Nick Kyrgios is yeah. rough around the edges guy. He's not a middle-class Australian guy. You know, he's... Uh, and he doesn't like tennis. He's come out and said he doesn't like tennis. Yeah, a guy who doesn't like the thing he's got a great talent for. Yeah, right. which is always something that pisses everyone off. I know. What was the name of that uh, guy who played fullback for Spurs who said he didn't like football? It was just a job that he did. Oh, I don't know that. Oh, what was his name? Uh, yeah, Asu Koto. He said, "I play for the money. Football's not my passion." Yeah. I'd, I'd... And everyone was like, "Oh, you fucking mercenary! That's so shit." Which is. Oh terrible when you think about it like i know if i'm a if i'm a spurs fan and my guy playing fullback says i don't really like football but it's my job and so i do it as hard as i can Mm. to the highest level i can which is clearly quite high if Mm. you're playing for one of the top teams in the country yeah then it doesn't make any difference to me if he crosses the ball in and harry kane puts his big mouth Breathing conk on it, <laughs> and it scores a goal. He just lips the ball over. <laughs> it, yeah. it, over the... it just like mouth breathes it in, 
I think it doesn't make any difference <laughs> to the scoreline or anything to me. There's going to be like... a, a Harry Kane, uh, a new football move. It's going to be called the Harry Kane, and it's going to be when the ball comes to you for a header, but you actually just lift your chin and breathe in, suck the ball into your face, and just run into the goal. <laughs> it just might breathe it in. It's like a suction cup. Like you breathe it in, the ball is stuck to your lips, and then you just run over the line. Oh, I was watching a promotional video that he had on his Twitter. It got, came up as a like promoted thing, and I watched it with a morbid fascination. He was playing some computer game or something. He was like working for PS4, and I was just the whole time I just watched his face for like ninety seconds, just being like, "You fucking mouth breather." Oh, anyway, I, I, back to Nick Kyrgios. I feel like it. I don't. I don't like this. Uh, this idea that he's got a gift and he's like, I don't know, somehow ungrateful. Yeah. And no one's in control of what they like, right? Not yeah. really. Yeah. The same thing, Andre Agassi, he hated tennis. He's one of the greatest tennis players ever. Yeah, there's plenty of, I mean, there's just a dif- differing level of honesty about it, right? right? But there's loads of people who are in positions that would be considered to be privileged who don't love it as much as other people who are not as talented as them would love it and it's not just like it's a inconsistent principle as well right so if i'm amazingly good investment banker right and i make a shitload of money but i come home and i say you know i'm not that passionate about my job no one's gonna say like everyone's gonna say like well fucking understandable because you're an investment banker you twat you know, yeah, <laughs> but it's like the same thing, right? There's a majorly privileged person who has a shitload of money doing what they do. Yeah, like it. I have a set of abilities, and I work very hard to put them into action, and yeah. that allows me to do other things yeah. in my life. They do twelve-hour days, six days a week, right? Exactly, you know? seven days a week. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so um, I guess I need to give you something to underreact to. Uh, well, it's not great underreaction, so you don't need to do a great underreaction. We can just underreact in general yeah. to that whole story. I just underreact to that whole and, and the thing that really kills it for me is the fact that if he hadn't won, we'd never have known. Anyway. Right, so okay. have you got another story, Cam? Yeah, I quite liked uh, Hull KR uh, created a bit of a taboo because they had um, they had a whole bunch of words on their shirts and their, their strips are white shirts with red shorts and their white shirts had in red print so in love with you on their shirts and then there's a whole bunch of other words kicking about in a kind of faded gray so it sort of it was there but it was it wasn't as obvious and so in love with you was um emphasized right and a lot of fans initially thought that this was a prominent slogan as a sign of solidarity between the players and the fans. Wait, who, sorry, Cam, but can it, I interrupt you? Yeah. Who are Hull KR? Hull KR are a rugby league team. Okay, right. Yeah, so very popular in the in North. Um, but it turns out that actually the bolded up text is just part of a, a pattern of words that runs across the shirt, which is the lyrics to a little respect by erasure so my question to you would be andrew if you could own a professional sports club 
Which song's lyrics would you put on the shirt? Oh man. Okay, so first thing that came into my head, very stupid. Heaven is a half pipe. No idea why. I'm <laughs> definitely not going to have that. <laughs> that's definitely, definitely the answer. That's definitely not what I'm picking. Just so you know, I just wanted to share with you my thought process. So that's if you Yeah, take. no, that's. I'm picking that for my Um Right, I think. Uh, I think. I would go for. Don't think twice, it's alright. Don't think twice, it's alright. Yep. I'll tell you for why. Be better, every sense just now. <laughs> it makes sense, right? If you're a tennis player, you've got to play every point, right? Don't think about that last point. Uh-huh. Play this point, it's alright. And the same thing with football. If you play, if you've just missed the absolute sitter, don't think twice about it. You'll score the next one. It's mm. a football mentality, a sporting mentality thing. Don't think twice, it's alright. So. Yours is a message to the players. Mine's a message to the players on like a sporting philosophy. I think I would go for Lag Range by ZZ Top. That's not got any other lyrics except for like, ho, 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 ho. I think it does have lyrics, (laughs) but no one knows what they are. It doesn't. So by putting them on a sports shirt, (laughs) it would be a public awareness campaign whereby everyone suddenly learned what the lyrics to Lag Range were. (laughs) I'm pretty sure it's like electric blues guitar and occasionally ZZ Top. It's like no, it's like coming down. Oh yeah, no, you're right. Got a lot of nice girls. Oh, so you would do that's a good actually a good idea. So I if you want to make a the purpose of the shirt is not for the sports team, it's to educate people about singers who don't enunciate, then I'm gonna go for the whole discography of Pearl Jam. Yeah, I actually know all the words to Pearl Jam, but not for everyone else. That took a took a lot. I bet it took a lot of getting used to his voice before you could figure it out. Yeah, I still only know like eighty percent, and I'm just like the world's biggest ever fan. <laughs> all right, okay. If you could pick a Pearl Jam song, that's good. Let's focus it down because all of music that was too much, but we both know Pearl Jam. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would go for the lyrics to the Pearl Jam song. Um, release and I put it on the Arsenal shirts. Release, yeah. Like release this player from his contract. Nah, it's just like the majority of the shirt would just be "Release me" written over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> and it would just be Mustafi that had that shirt. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> release me. <laughs> It's that again and again and again. <laughs> I like that. I like That's that. what I would go for. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that was the news. We had General Booty. Um, and so we're going to do Drop of the Week. Um, so the Drop of the Week were, was a story inspired by the Mirror where the Mirror wrote a story which said, Manuel Pellegrini not, in capital letters, not in imminent danger of sack, 
despite first signs of West Ham mutiny after four straight defeats. So this week's trope of the week are articles that say managers which are clearly in imminent danger of the sack are not in <laughs> imminent danger of the sack. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's a shame, right, that a manager who's only managed four games is in danger of getting the sack. But he fucking is. He definitely is because they, yeah. they're losing embarrassingly, right? It's yeah. embarrassing to get beaten by the current incarnation of Arsenal. Yeah. Right. They looked all right against us, but they looked shit against everyone else. But we made Cardiff look all right. So Yeah. You know? But um, I think the like the most tropey ever example of this was when uh Davy Moyes took over Man United. <laughs> <laughs> Just every single week. Like every day basically. It was like, no, we're going to give him time. He needs a couple of transfer windows to bed in, and it'll be a really difficult job to take after Sir Alec. I know. And he was just so clearly going to get fired after about eight seconds. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and like I know. anyone who's in a lower half team that's not performing, and Sam Allardyce is chewing his gum on the. Oh, uh, oh, Sam Allardyce, who's saying anything he can to get into the papers. And on TV, so that people don't forget he exists. So that's a very quick trope, but Manuel Pellegrini definitely in danger. The press have said it's an article to say he's not in danger. Yeah, here's a, just a head, a, a kind of a quick giveaway. Any manager who actually is not in danger of getting a sack never has a headline. <laughs> <laughs> not in danger of getting that's a sack. Exactly what I was going to say. There's no there's no Pep Guardiola headlines. Pep Guardiola not in for the sack, right? Let me tell you yeah. something. This manager whose team are currently struggling, not in danger of the sack. Don't mention the sacking. <laughs> not in danger of the sack. I know. All right, so in in this segment as well, I want to just quickly flag up. So last week, I think the trope of the week in episode two was... Uh, it was episode two, wasn't it? The, yeah. General trope that a team who's just lost are lacking in leaders. Yeah. And I would like to thank our good friend, uh, Graham Soonis, who yeah. we've obviously paid a great deal of money to completely validate our trope of the week last time. The Graham Soonis article on skysports.com with the headline Graham Soonis says Tottenham need leaders to respond to Watford loss. Yeah. Not and- only that, he basically alleges that the reason they lost is they didn't have enough leaders, I right? I know. That's exactly what I said. I can't distinguish this sentence from the fact that a team just lost. There's yeah. no difference. And uh, it, it, he really went... He really put all his eggs into this one basket, the leaders are matter basket, because he said, if you have one leader in your team, you have a chance. If you have two, you might be winning things. If you have three, you're near enough guaranteed to win things. <laughs> three leaders guaranteed to win. <laughs> they are so hard to find, and the difference between very good players and the ones who can drag the lesser lights through difficult times. That's what they so are. So do you think that Graham Sinus has confused being a good leader with being an elite footballer? I think that's what I mean. You just need players who play well and win football games and then they get called leaders. 
I mean, like, Messi is quite clearly not a good leader. He's just no. a little kind of quiet, bumbly guy who also yeah. happens to be one of the best footballers of all time. Yeah. So if you did have three Messies in your team, I reckon you'd do quite well. <laughs> That's but, a good point. but would you need three Carlos Puyos behind them? Otherwise, <laughs> you'd be fucked. Yeah. Or yeah. like, who's a good example of a, a leader who was also just quite clearly atrocious at football? Like Colin Henry, someone who's like remember. a big blundering defender, like Harry Maguire. I bet Harry Maguire is a good leader because he yells uh, at people sometimes. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Anyway, so thanks, to, thanks to Graham Sunis for completely making our point for us. Thank you, Sunis. Thank you. He's also a twat, just generally. I just <laughs> just watch Graham. <laughs> Graham's hate for Paul Pogba has reached crazy levels. <laughs> no, he hates him because he's not a fucking leader. That's why he doesn't think Paul Pogba's a leader. And he went on this huge rant about how Paul Pogba was like a detriment to the team and not a good leader, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then the uh, the Sky Sports guy kind of like went, "Well, yeah." So I guess it's lucky for Man United that they won, and everyone else in the studio laughs. And, and soon it's just like stares him down, looking like he's <laughs> pissed on him. He looks so unhappy. Oh, soon as it's like he's got this personality, and it's a common personality in Scotland. You know, yeah. I just this ah. Oh, fuck, I can't describe exactly what it is about him, but it's, it's like just a dear like, preachy. The world is shit, and I need to tell you why at length. Kind yeah, of exactly. And and I'm right. And if you don't agree with me, you're fucking awful. You're awful. Yeah, Graham Sunis. Okay, we should cover. We should cover it in depth, Graham Sunis. Yeah, we should. Okay, so next up we have the predictions. Yes. For the week ahead. So, yes. Calm, do you have a prediction? Yes. So, because I'm a huge NFL fan. Because I don't respect troops, um, I'm going to go for an NFL-based storyline, and I'm going to go. And also, the NFL is particularly good for overreactions because there's only um, sixteen games that a team will play, and they only happen at the weekend. They happen on Sundays pretty much exclusively, whereas I think football gets a little bit tripping over itself with a game on you know Saturday and then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, mm. Sunday, Monday night, Tuesday and like there's Friday just constant well it's ridiculous. Whereas NFL is is once a week. So you get time to ferminate. Ferminate <laughs> You get time to ferment. Is that uh, the Oxford scholar saying Yeah, ferminate. So That's a word. Overreaction. Helen says that when you're a sociologist, you can just fucking make up words. Yeah. And they just count. Foment yeah. is a word. Um, so my storyline is going to be if. Um, so I was going to go for a general one, but I'm going to go specific. I'm going to say Tom Brady is going to have like not a great game. And it's going to be is Tom Brady on the decline or has Tom Brady, is Tom Brady done for? Oh, so that's like Cristiano Ronaldo version. It is very NFL much that, version. In fact, yeah, yeah. It's exactly that. Okay. Yeah. Like that's one good. of the greatest players of all time has one or two bad games to start the season, 
is he done for forever? That's a good prediction, actually. I think that's a good prediction. I, I, th- uh, I think it won't happen because I think they'll spank the Texans, but I think it's mm, still possible. Right. Um, I'm going for international football because it is the international break. Unfortunately, right after the season gets going, yeah. suddenly there's just this lame-ass fucking interlull. Anyway, I'm going to go for the England national team and I'm pretty sure that there's going to be something in the next week as a result of their friendlies. Or they're not even friendlies anymore. What are they? They're like this new competition. It's this new bullshit... They're basically Europe. friendly, right? Yeah, basically. European something bollocks cup. Exactly, right. But anyway, uh, there's going to be... UEFA Nations League. Is that what they're called? That's what it's called. That's what it's called now. So it's friendlies, but at the end you see who won most friendlies. Yep. Yeah, okay. Well, I think there's going to be something. There's going to be the the England media. They cannot help themselves. They just cannot help themselves. There's probably going to be something about England and how we have great prospects for the future and it's a team building for the future and we can take great uh, pride in what they achieved at the World Cup and it's only upwards from here. Here come the Euros. We're in with a shout. So is yours like England build on World Cup glory or something? Yeah, something like that and yeah. build up and then they're leading to and and they're just gonna forget about the fact that they got to the semifinals of the World Cup playing like Ross County. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like fucking hell. You know, their tactic was get fouled, get Harry Kane fouled in the box, or ping it in from a set piece. They scored oh, like, like they got to semi-final yeah. without being able to score from open play. Simulate you know, contacts as much as possible. I know. This, yeah. this is not an England team who's going to do anything. Okay, well, we'll uh, we'll check back in and, and see whether or not we were we were correct. I think that those are likely to, to, to bear fruit. Um, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. Get in touch if you listen to it, Alan. <laughs> no, Alan's not listening to this point because you told him to fuck off. At the beginning. <laughs> if you're if you're still listening, Alan, thank you for listening despite my uh, expletives. It's been we've been long since replaced by Cher on the Alexa. That's yeah. what happened in episode one. He said he got to listen to like thirty minutes, and then his wife put Cher on. Cher, Alexa, turn these twats off. Put Cher on. Yeah, apparently if you have a podcast and you say, like, Alexa, play the Great Underreaction podcast, <laughs> your podcast, then it, it works. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, because there was a podcast I was listening to, they had to say, like, oh, I'm sorry, we had this ad read, but the ad read was causing it to turn off our podcast and turn on the podcast that we were reading for, so. Oh, really? Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Should we try something random, then? Uh Alexa, play Erasure a little respect. There we go. You're welcome. There you go. If you're still here because you don't have Amazon-based voice-activated products, thank you for listening. Um, Subscribe to the podcast. Uh, Let us know what you think. We're on Twitter. Well, I'm on Twitter. 
at Callum underscore GU. Andy, you're on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I forgot about that. Yeah, and I'm kind of on Twitter. On Twitter. Uh, Andy, Andy S underscore GU, but right now there's not even a profile picture or a single tweet. <laughs> followed by, I think followed by Callum only. And yeah. follows zero people. I don't think I even follow you back. No, you follow me. <laughs> oh, it's do like, I? Okay. That's we the follow greatest each other. testament to our friendship <laughs> is that you only follow me and I'm the only person that follows you. Okay, I need to, because uh, I've got my real Twitter, but I can, that's professional. Right, I've I got a real Twitter that. as well, but it's it's way too professional for this. Yeah, I, and I, I will make sure that becomes a real Twitter account that I actually follow. Yep. Um, and we'll next record probably next week, you think? Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you come across any stupid stories, then get in contact with us. Um, we've got merch coming soon from Louisa, so we'll put you in Actually, touch. You know what's notable? What's that? This is the first episode in which I've not revealed some sort of traumatic event from my past. Yeah, that's true. I, I in the first episode it was like shingly balls and then there was like the daffodil getting stuffed in my mouth and I'm really happy that I managed to get through this without like revealing any other uh, really traumatic events from my There was that time that we both sat and watched a uh, baby penguin turn into a corpse Oh actually that was traumatic That was right? traumatic but it wasn't as bad as the daffodils which I I've know. thought because I edited that episode and I've thought about it a lot did you mean dandelions? No, it was uh, it was the head of a daffodil. Because daffodils are quite large flowers, aren't they? Yep. That must have been terrible for you, man. It, it was. It actually, fuck, I've just... You bring it all back. I just remembered <laughs> it. My mum. So basically, my friends, they all ran away with mine and they left me there. And then yeah. they ran and they were like, ran to my house and they basically said to my mum, like, we don't know what's happening to Andy. Some uh, some older boys are probably butt fucking him. The <laughs> <laughs> right, they did say that, right? But but my mum like, don't want to mom... don't want to like cause you to overreact here. But uh, <laughs> I think he might be getting butt fucked, <laughs> like your nine year old son, right? And, oh, <laughs> but my mum reacted, and and she, 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 I remember after it happened, I was kind of in a bit of shock, right? And I was just walking down the path to the main road. And then I crossed the main road and I just sat in a bus stop. And this is all like, I would say, four minutes walk from my house. This all occurred, like four minutes walk from my house. But my mom turned up on her bike with her helmet and like a high-vis vest on. (laughs) Like she's like, (laughs) gone into the garage and like got her bike and her high-vis gear on, and her helmet, and then, like, cycled along the the pavements, and then, like, came to find me. And I just remember saying to her, like, that was no faster than just fucking walking here. (laughs) But it was more visible. But it was. I mean, you were certainly safe (laughs) as you rushed to to find out what became of your son. Oh, Uh, my God, that's great. (laughs) <laughs> it's so believable. I know. Just fucking go. Don't don't go to the garage. Look at your bike. She probably had her D lock with her and everything. 
Yeah. Well, anyway. What if she needed to lock the bike up and it wasn't? <laughs> It wasn't securely fastened. <laughs> oh, maybe I'm being a bit too mean to my mum. Okay, if you got anything to, to say to our 1,244 listeners before we go? Oh, no, I don't fucking care. No one's going to listen to the end, man. No, no, no. I wouldn't. Even Alan's tuned out at this point. <laughs> Alan tuned out at 10 seconds in, Callum. <laughs> You've lost. You just lost the whole Irish market, you fuck. Oh, no. Ranch out. <laughs> Okay, uh, in which case, uh, thank you for listening, thank you for subscribing, and we will speak to you next week. I read the news today, oh boy, about a lucky man who made the grade, and though the news was rather sad. I saw the photograph He blew his mind out in a car He didn't notice that the lights had changed A crowd of people stood and stared Seen his face before, nobody was really sure.